Mark chapter 11, just one second. When we sit down, if you could pass those out, that would be great. Thank you so much. Amen. Take your Bibles with me. Mark chapter 11. For the time that we have left here, I, I just want to drop a word in your heart today. The message today is entitled, Curse the Barren Tree. Look at it with me in Mark chapter 11. We're going to begin reading verse 12 through 14, and then we'll jump down to verse 20. Verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he had reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. And look down at verse 20. It says, In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Father, in the time that we have together today, I pray that this little story, this moment in the life of Jesus and his disciples would come alive in our spirits and that you would use it to direct us and order our steps and challenge us as we move forward in this year. God, thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. You can be seated. This is an odd little story at first glance, isn't it? I mean, I, I got to be honest. I, you know, I, I've read this story a lot of times and, uh, and there's so much happening around this story that my tendency is to just kind of skip over this. You know, like, oh, that, that was kind of weird. I mean, you know, Jesus is walking along and he sees a fig tree and goes, oh, hey, figs, let's go over and get some. And then he goes, there's no figs on this tree. And then he curses the tree and it withers and it dies. I don't know how you imagine Jesus in your mind, but to me, this is not Jesus. This is like a weird moment, you know, where somebody loses their cool. You know, you've seen that, right? It's like, it's not, it's not typical of them to do this, but wow, man, like what happened to you? All of a sudden, Jesus just kind of like, it almost seems to me like he takes advantage of his supernatural power in that moment. You know, like he always, you know, kind of kept it in check, but today he's like zap and just like blows up a tree. No figs, you know, just... It's, it's one of the, you, you look at the story and you go, what exactly is going on here? It looks irrational. And we know Jesus isn't irrational. In fact, it reminds me of the story in the Old Testament where Moses was leading the people and they had nothing to drink. And so God told him, I want you to strike the rock. And he struck the rock and water flowed. And then sometime later, they got in the same situation. And, and, and the Lord said to him, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock and I'll cause water to flow. But Moses was irritated at the people. So he goes over with his stick again and he just hits the rock. And water does flow. But then God pulls him to the side and he, he corrects him because he was at a... That's kind of what this feels like to me. Like Jesus just kind of went off a little bit on a tree. Except, I mean, if this was anybody else, I would probably believe that's, the, that's all this story is about. But this is Jesus. He's the one who never sinned in word, in thought, or in deed. He is the perfect 
spotless lamb of God. He's the one who said this, I only do what the father tells me. That makes me look at a weird situation and say, okay, there was actually a reason that Jesus cursed this barren tree. There's got to be a reason. So there's a couple things I want to tell you. Um, a parable and a principle that I, I believe are in the scripture here. I, Jesus was teaching a parable about our lives, about their lives, about the church in that day. And, and he was giving us a principle about futility. And, and I want to share those things with you. But first, let me give you a little information about the fig tree. I, now, I didn't know this, and you might, but I went ahead and looked it up. So let me tell you what I discovered and while I'm telling you this, you, got, you can pass those out. We've got something that we want to give you today. I'll explain it in a little bit. You can just hold on to it. And I trust you can focus in on what I'm saying while they pass those out today. <coughs> but here, here's what I learned. That the fig, tr- the fig tree in the Palestinian area, it begins to bud in April. And it produces two crops. The first crop comes... Uh, early from the winter figs around May. And then the summer crop comes in around August. And so uh, it was very uh, reasonable that people could pick figs off the fig trees for nine to ten months out of the year. There was, there was fruit on the vine that they could, they could pick. So Jesus wasn't out of context here just by you know, assuming there might be some figs. Here, here's another thing that I thought was interesting about this story. That he's in Bethpage. The Bible said he's leaving Bethany and he's going back to Jerusalem. To go from Bethany to Jerusalem, you got to go through Bethpage. I'm sure all of you scholars are ahead of me, but for the rest of us, let me tell you, Bethpage means house of figs. So he's in a place that is notorious for having figs. He's expecting Something hardy on the vine when he goes over. Now, it is a little early. It's during the Passover. And so maybe it's, it's April. But here's another interesting thing about the fig tree. That a lot of times the figs would, would blossom before the leaves uh, would shoot out. And so the Bible says from a great distance away, he saw the leaves. And so it just made sense that, hey, there's leaves blooming. There's going to be figs over there. He makes his way over, and all of a the sudden, there, there, there's nothing. There's no figs on the vine. And so Jesus wasn't being irrational. I just want to clear the air because I was kind of throwing him under the bus a little earlier. But he, he wasn't being irrational. It made sense that he would, in the natural, assume there might be something good to eat over here. He wasn't just upset because he missed breakfast. So there goes that excuse. It's unbiblical. To chew people out and curse things because you didn't get breakfast. There's a parable in here that, that I want to share with you. Let me get to the parable first. Mark 11, where we're at in the text, it jumps right in the middle of Passion Week. That, that's the last week of Jesus' life. It starts on Palm Sunday with people laying their palm branches at his feet. That's in verse 8 here. If you're looking at the, the chapter, it says in verse 8, many of the people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they had cut. And what were they doing? They were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're celebrating Jesus. That's, that's where we're at. It's, it's Passion Week. And of course, we know it ends with his crucifixion on Friday and his resurrection on Sunday. I mean, this is, the, this is the, the week that all the rest of the Bible circles around. This is it right here. This is Passion Week. 
And so Jesus had gone into the temple on a donkey's colt. And when he got there, he saw some things going on on that Palm Sunday. Things he wasn't too happy about. But the Bible says it was late, so he went home that night back to Bethany. But in his mind, he's thinking about what he saw going on in the temple that day. And he's decided that there's a lesson that needs to be learned. And Jesus often did this. He would teach his lessons through parables. He would illustrate it. And we don't have time to give examples this morning. But, but this is what he's doing. He saw activity in the temple, but not productivity. He saw people being very efficient. They just weren't being effective. Can I just stop here and challenge you to, to dig a little deeper? I don't, I don't know if you're a resolution person or whatever, but don't go into this new year just thinking, you know, I'm going to be more, uh, I'm going to be more efficient. I'm just going to get more things done because a lot of people get a lot of things done that don't amount to anything. That's why I think it's so impressive that Jesus could say, I only do what the father tells me. That means Jesus had this uncanny ability to say no. Some of us need to develop that. If he only did what the father told him, he had people tugging on him from every, trying to get him to do things, trying to get him to go places. They wanted to make him a king at one place. He just left. Jesus only did the things the father told him. And so Jesus goes into the temple and he sees people being active, just not productive. They were being efficient. They just weren't being effective. They were doing all of these things, but it wasn't amounting to anything. You know, I, I looked for the verse this week and I couldn't find it. The verse that says, my soul finds worry in you, O Lord. I know it's got to be there because I see so many people live it out. I couldn't find the verse that says, my soul finds busyness in you, O Lord. Although that has been the pattern of my life too often. I searched it out. I wanted to find a, a, a biblical context, but I couldn't find the scripture anywhere that says, my soul finds anxiety in you, O Lord. But there is one that says, my soul finds rest. My soul finds rest in you, O Lord. So as Jesus looks around the temple on that Sunday, you know what he saw? He saw a fig tree that was bearing no fruit in his spirit, in his mind. As he looked around the temple, lots of stuff going on, lots of activity, lots of color, lots of foliage, no fruit here. So he goes home that night, back to Bethany, and he's thinking about what the Lord, his father, wants him to do. Can I just tell you this morning that a, a fig tree without any fruit is futility, in the same way, a fig tree without fruit is futility. And that's a lot of F's. I'm not going to try to say that sentence again. In the same way, a house of worship without prayer is futile. And a, a group of followers without faith is futility. And so there's a parable that Jesus wants to teach. And then there's a principle that he wants to give us about futility, about ineffectiveness, about inefficiency. So the next morning, Jesus wakes up on a mission. His disciples don't know it, but he, he's ready to go. I mean, he skips breakfast. He gets up early, the Bible says, and he is heading back to Jerusalem. He's got to deal with an issue, but on his way, he sees this fig tree and he decides, you know what, I got to illustrate this because the whole thing with the loaves and the fishes, they totally didn't get that. 
So I'm going to you know, I'm gonna have to teach this in an illustrated way. So he goes over and, and he sees the tree and it has nothing on it that he can eat. And so he curses it. And then he goes on to the temple. And this is what that tree was really all about. The Bible says that Jesus went into the temple. Look at it. Look at it with me. He goes into the temple and in, in verse 15, it starts to describe what Jesus does. And again, this doesn't sound like the Jesus that you learned about in Sunday school as a child. He starts flipping over the tables. He starts kicking the chairs and the benches. He's raising a ruckus. It's Passion Week. It's Passover. People have come from foreign countries to celebrate. And here's this rabbi from Galilee. And he's, he's throwing tables over. In fact, Mark communicates that the temple was so large. I mean, like maybe 200 yards. It was a huge court area. And so a lot of people, just to get across town, because it was right in the middle, people would just travel from one side to the other. They'd cut across the temple. When Jesus saw people using the temple as a shortcut, he wouldn't let them through, the Bible says. He stopped. No, you, you go around. You're not here to worship. Go around. Go around. You, go around. You ever had one of those employees at the mall do that when you try to cut from one, one store to the other? And they know you're not there to shop, so you like you just try to cut through. You like browse at a couple stuff. And you know you're not there to shop. You're just trying to make your life more convenient. That's what they were doing with the house of God. And he was angry at what he saw. All this activity, no fruit, nothing with substance, nothing with life. And he he's going to teach a parable. Can I can I just remind you quickly? I I, I just got to read a verse to you in John chapter 15 before we go any farther. I just want to remind you what the word says about your fruitfulness, because there's certainly an application for us in here. Quickly, let let me just read it to you. It's in John 15, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now listen to this. This is the fun part. Such a branch is picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Not really fun. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear a lot of fruit. If you don't remain in me, you won't bear any fruit. And by the way, the branches that don't bear any fruit, they get cut off and thrown in the fire. Okay, next verse. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Skip down to verse 16. I love this part. Jesus says, by the way, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. There's a reason that God chose you. And it's not for efficiency, and it's not for activity, it's for effectiveness, it's for productivity, it's for fruitfulness. And so Jesus sees and has to curse a barren tree. God has a plan for you and for me. I want you to take a look at what's happening in in the temple here in verse 15. Go back with me to Mark, if you're still there, Mark 11, verse 15. It says in verse 15. Well, let's skip down. 
Let's skip down to verse 17. He's already kicked over the tables and the chairs. Verse 17, he says, as he taught them. So he did all that before he taught. That's a sermon setup right there. How would you like that? You know, we schedule Ron to come preach for us. And he just comes in and like kicks stuff and throws stuff. And then he's like, okay, I got a sermon. That was Jesus on Monday. So. Says this. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you, you have made it a den of robbers. You've made it a den of robbers. Jesus was angry at them because of everything that they had done. This is supposed to be a holy place. This is supposed to be a place where the presence of God is reverenced and where God is is worshipped. And instead, they had turned the Passover celebration into a money racket. You see, the people that were coming from foreign countries to to worship the living God in the holy place, the only uh, currency that was accepted was the temple currency. And so knowing that, the money changers set up their business so that people coming from afar would have to pay the exchange rate on their money so that their temple tax could be paid to honor God. And so they inflated the exchange rate so that they could get rich off the worshipers. Not only that... People that were coming from far had to be concerned with the fact that the sacrifice, the law required, had to be an acceptable sacrifice. It had to pass inspection. And what if it doesn't and you live a long ways away? And so they said, that's okay. You can buy an acceptable sacrifice right here. We'll sell you one. And so they inflated the price of the sacrifice. And so the people are coming and and they're, they're being... Robbed in the exchange rate and then they're having to buy overpriced animals to sacrifice and they weren't totally guiltless Because they had lost some of the sincerity of the worship because a lot of them their attitude was this It's like, you know, we we could go through the process of 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 raising up an animal of of feeding it of taking care of it of Making sure we select a spotless one and all of that and then we have to take it all the way to jerusalem Now let's just buy one when we get there so it was a thing about convenience for them. And the thing that really irritated Jesus, and, and I love that Mark communicates this. The other gospel writers don't. But Mark says, Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And then he added the phrase right out of Isaiah 56, for all nations. And that was the point. Not that we intercede for all nations, but this should be a place where all the nations can come to worship. And there was a place in the temple It was called the court of the Gentiles. It was a place designed so that those who were not uh, of Jewish descent could come and they could worship and they could experience the presence of God in their lives. But all of those animals that they were selling for people to sacrifice to the Lord, they had set up their stalls in the court of the Gentiles. So as people travel from all over the world to come and meet the living God, Jehovah, the God of the, the Jews, they would come and instead of experiencing the presence of God, they experienced a barnyard. And instead of the sweet fragrance of worship, it was the stench of animal dung. And this is what Jesus sees. All this activity going on, all of this greed. And he, he's indignant. He's frustrated. And he's about to curse a barren tree. Here's the connection to you and me today. Because we could make the application of the temple of God to the church in our lives, absolutely. And that would be a good fitting that we need this to be a house of prayer. 
It needs to be a house of prayer for all nations. And so we could make that analogy, but did you know that the Bible also says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That God dwells in, in you. And so I want you to personalize this today. Don't, don't just let this be about what their church did in, in the, that day and what our church ought to do today. This is you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So ask yourself this question. How's your prayer life? When, when God comes in, when Jesus surveys the scene, it, it, is your life a house of prayer? A lot of times it's easy for us to, to just get distracted with all the stuff, all the cares of this world. That's what Martha did. You remember when Jesus came to have dinner with Mary and Martha? And Martha was busy with many things, the Bible says, many things. She had the cooking to do. She had to set the table, all these things. And finally she got so upset that she went to Jesus and said, why don't you tell Mary to get up and do something? I'm doing all the work here. And here's what Jesus said to Martha. He said, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed just one. And Mary has chosen what is better, so it will not be taken away from her. Can I just tell you this morning that maybe the best thing you can do for your walk with God this year is to be devoted to spending time at the feet of Jesus. That's what, that's what Mary was doing. She just wanted to sit at his feet and hear what he had to say. She didn't want to miss a word. But so many of us, we're like Martha. It's not bad things. It's, it's just busyness. It's even good things sometimes. Maybe even things you're doing for the church. And we can come in and we can run around and we can be busy all day. And we can leave again and we never sit down at his feet. Maybe the best thing you can do this year to gain spiritual health is to just say, my house, this temple, will be a house of prayer. There was another purpose in the parable, though. I'm going to tell you real quickly about it. It was for the disciples themselves. Because not only is a house of, a house of God without prayer futile, followers of Jesus without faith, again, is like a barren tree. And so Jesus teaches them a parable. Look at verse 20 says again, in the morning they saw the fig tree along, the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and he said, Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And look at Jesus' response in verse 22. He said, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their hearts, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this conversation happens in Passion Week. This is Tuesday now. I mean, Jesus is fast approaching the cross. And so he's using this illustration of a fig tree to try to communicate to them the power of God. Specifically, the power of God's word. You know, John 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word incarnate. He's the Word made flesh. So whenever Jesus speaks, God is speaking. But we don't, we don't have uh, Jesus in the flesh today, but we do have Jesus in the leather-bound edition. This is His Word. 
And every time you open this word, God is speaking. And so Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples, look, you got to take me at my word. Take me at my word. If I said you're cursed, you're cursed. You shouldn't be coming back tomorrow morning going, did you see that tree? Can you believe it? It's cursed. Why wouldn't they believe it? Why wouldn't Peter, who's already walked on water, done miracles, cast devils out of people, why wouldn't Peter just simply take Jesus at his word? And I want to tell you, a a follower of Jesus without faith to believe his word is futility. And here's how I want to challenge you to apply this to your life this year. Get in the word. We've already passed out for you just a, a reference today. It's a Bible reading plan. You say, why, why, why'd you give me a Bible reading plan today? Because I want to challenge you to read the entire Bible in 2016. Now, for some of you, you go like, yeah, I did that last year. For some of you, you're like, you're crazy. I've never read an entire book of the Bible. And for you, I'm going to recommend 3 John as a starting point. <laughs> yeah. Or Jude. You know, start small. Don't jump into like Ezekiel or Isaiah this afternoon and be like, I'm going to get one down today. Not going to happen. I want to challenge you to read the Bible this year. Read through it. You can do it. This is just a simple plan that you can use. There's lots of great plans. But the Bible says this about you and me. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're royalty. Can I just encourage you to do one thing in 2016? Act like royalty. Act like a king. I'll tell you why I say that. and I don't want you to turn there. I'll just read this verse to you. In the Old Testament, there was instructions for how the king should act. Here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 17. About a king. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. That was the word of God. Taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him... He is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of the laws and the decrees. So if you didn't like my vision statement earlier, I can do nothing. Maybe you like this one. Live like a king in 2016. The kings were required. It was so important that they trust God's word, that they know God's word, that every day they had this requirement. When you, when you go into office, you start writing down for yourself. Now, thankfully, we have printing presses. But, you know, write down for yourself a copy of the word of God and read it every day. Get it in you so that you know the law, <coughs> so that you know the decrees. I want to challenge you in 2016 to read all 66 books of the Bible, all 1,189 chapters of the Bible. Read all 31,102 verses of the Bible. You can do it. Say, how how do I do it? This is going to get really practical as we get ready to, to wind this thing down. First of all, set an appointment. Make an appointment. You don't go meet with anybody significant without an appointment. Why do we think it would be any different with the creator of the universe? Set a time, set a place. Put it on your calendar. If you're like me, I put stuff on my calendar and that does not matter unless I scroll a little bit farther down and set alerts and reminders because being on my calendar doesn't mean anything. I don't look at it. But I have alerts that go off. It beeps and I look and I go, oh yeah, I got somewhere I'm supposed to be. You can set a reminder for a day in advance. 
an hour in advance, 30 minutes in advance. You can set it for your, at the time of arrival. So make a time and a place to meet with God. Make an appointment. And make it enjoyable. You know, some people, that they like to, they, they've got like their grandmother's Bible and it's nostalgic. So you know what? I'm going to read my grandmother's Bible. The problem is they don't understand their grandmother's Bible. It's in a translation that doesn't make any sense to them. And so they're like, this is cool. I'm really, you know, I'm going to do this. But it doesn't make sense. Find a translation of the Bible that you understand that makes sense to you. You know, people often ask, well, what's the best translation? The one you read. That's the best, tra- the one you actually read. That's the best translation of the word of God. Most people asking that question aren't even reading the Bible. So just get in the word every day. You can do it. Make it enjoyable. You know what makes it enjoyable for me? Coffee. I'm simple. Like it doesn't even feel spiritual if I'm reading my Bible in the morning and I don't have a cup of coffee. I, I, I want to meet with Jehovah Java, the Lord is my barista. You know, I, I want that... I want that encounter. It smells like worship. It's Starbucks Sumatra, but it smells like the Holy of Holies to me. And so I enjoy a good cup of coffee with the presence of God. Some of you might like music, you know, instrumental music or something. That's fine. Some of you, you don't want music. You just start tapping and forgetting what you're doing. That's fine. But make it enjoyable. Set an appointment with God. Read a Bible that you understand. Some of you, you you've got to read a, a a Bible like mine here and others, you're, you're electronic. You want it on a device. That's fine. Whichever one you'll read, read that one. But cut out the distractions. I do both, but I've learned that if I'm trying to do something, uh, studying God's Word on an iPad or, or my phone, I have to hit that little airplane mode button. That, that stops the messages and the updates and the notifications from coming. Because if I don't do that, have you ever done this before? Have you ever thought, you know, I'm just going to spend a little time in the Word. You open up your little Bible app and you, oh, I got 10 notifications on Facebook. Oh, look, somebody commented on my Instagram post. And 10 minutes later, you haven't read a single word. You just, you know, you're, it's, it's a fig tree with no fruit. That's what it is. It's futility. And so you've you got to cut out the distractions. You've got to create a time and a space where you can just meet with God. I want to challenge you in this, in this new year to make, make a commitment to be a temple, a house of prayer, to commune with God, and to be a follower with faith. And the way you build your faith, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you become a person of faith when you lean into what God is saying each and every day consistently. And set a real goal for yourself. Can I just challenge you? 15 minutes. You know, if you are an electronic device person and you don't want to use the, the card system that we gave you, um, you can download the, uh, you don't have to download it, you can get the one year Bible plan on version. It's the number one downloaded Bible app in the world, version, And you can pick a Bible plan. You can pick any one you want. But I would recommend the one-year Bible plan. It's probably the, the first one on the list. And you might say, you know, I, just don't, I don't have time to sit down and read. I'm so crunched for time. There's an audio version that you can listen to while you're driving to work. And if you listen to the audio version of the Bible app of the one-year Bible for 15 minutes every day, you'll go through the whole Bible. Or, or you, could, you could just, you know, stay busy and sprout leaves and 
wave your branches. Jesus wants fruitfulness out of us. He he wants something more for us this year. We're not going to get something different by doing what we did. And it's really irrational for us to just think, well, I'm I'm just going to I'm going to just be more efficient. I'm just going to make more time. Listen, you have not one more second in 2016 than you had in 2015. And this is the lesson on futility that I think Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and, and us. Here's the lesson of futility. Because Jesus saw something that looked fruitful from a distance and he went after it. But then he got there and he realized it wasn't very fruitful. And then Jesus does something that we're not usually willing to do. He cursed it. He cursed the fig tree. And it was cursed. I mean, when Jesus, he said, don't bear fruit, it didn't just not bear fruit, it shriveled up and died. But, you know, we're not willing to do that. Here's what we do. We run after things that are fruitless, and then we run after them again, and and then we run after them again, and and then we deceive ourselves into thinking that, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to make more time. Listen, you, you can't make more time. The only way you're going to have more time to spend with God this year, the only way you're going to have more time to spend with your family, with your spouse this year, those are all things you need to do. The only way you're going to have more time to get into God's word is by cursing the barren trees in your life. There's other things you're doing that add no fruit, no value, no life. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it is social networking. Maybe for you it's it's Netflix. You know, for somebody else, it's romance novels or soap operas or or maybe just, you know, some other hobby, whatever it might be, just recognize it for what it is and curse the barren tree. Now, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm I'm not saying you can't watch TV. You, you, You know, you ought to just close out your Facebook account. I'm talking about seeing them for what it is. It's fruitless. Might not be sinful. Nothing wrong with doing it unless you keep pursuing those barren trees so much so that you're not pursuing the presence of God and the things that he wants for your life. I want to challenge you at the beginning of this year to examine your own heart, look at your own life. You know what? There's some barren trees in my life. Man, I I play that stupid game way too much. You know, it's online gaming for you. And you're just like, man, I just spend way too much time doing that. If I just cut out 15 minutes of that from my schedule, I I could read the entire Bible. I never thought I could read the entire Bible, but you can. You can if you'd be willing to curse the barren tree. So I want to pray for you today, and I want us to close this service in in praying that God would do a few things. First of all, that he would make our hearts a house of prayer. This week, we're going to do something as a church to be a catalyst for that. We're going to have prayer meetings this week. We're calling this a week of prayer. It's in the bulletin. I haven't mentioned it today until right now. But we're going to come together tomorrow night at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8. This is going to be a house of prayer. We're going to come in and we're going to believe God to not just hear our prayers but to speak to us. And the time that we spend from 7 to 8 o'clock is not all going to be us talking to God. I'm most excited about the last 15 minutes. Because we're going to come and we're going to pray and we're going to open our hearts and then we're going to open our ears and we're going to listen and then we're going to open our mouths. We're going to begin to speak to one another what God's saying. You know what I think is going to happen? Here's what I'm praying is going to happen. I believe God's going to speak to me about some things that I've been praying about through some of you. 
Because that's, that's how God works. So I'm so excited. We're going to do that on Monday night, then we're going to come back on Wednesday night. We're going to do it again, and then we're going to come back on Friday night this week. Now, don't fall under condemnation if you work nights and you can't be here, but hear me. We're, we're creating an opportunity to do this together, to get some traction, to say at the beginning of the year, God, my house will be called a house of prayer. Not just when I show up at 1030 on Sunday morning, but Lord, I, I want to spend time in your presence. So this week, we're, we're going to put the training wheels on and we're going to do it together. We're going to seek God and we're going to worship and we're going to pray and we're going to listen and he's going to speak to us. It's going to be powerful. Tonight, we're going to start a brand new series about believing God, trusting God. I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying for us, I'm praying for you that in 2016, this is a house of prayer. That God has our, has our ear. And that we have his heart. And, and secondly, that, that we are a people of faith that believe in the word of God. That we would be self-feeders. Not coming in famished, spiritually malnourished because the last time we ate was last Sunday. Well, a lot of people live their Christian life. But that you would become a self-feeder. That you would get up every day just as God had to teach the children of Israel. And you would go out and you would gather the manna for today. Don't try to live off of yesterday's word. It was good. It was great. God has something he wants to tell you every day. And the way he does it is by you getting up, setting a time, setting a place, having a plan, and meeting with God in his word. That's what I'm praying. And the third thing, and this is probably the hardest one for us, is that you would be able to look in your life and me and mine, and I, and I would just curse the barren tree. I asked this question to myself and to my wife. I said, if there's one thing that we could do in 2016 that would just affect the, the most things. You know, I'm not going to change 20 things. What one thing could I do in 2016 that would make, that would just have the biggest impact on my life? And, and I'll tell you what my answer was. As I thought about that, it, for me it was this, get up earlier. Get up earlier. Because I'm, I'm not going to make more time. When I get up earlier, I have more focused time with Jesus. I can exercise, and I'm not taking away from family time later. And so that's for me. That's my word. I don't know what your word is, but Jesus said, curse the, curse the barren tree. You know what the barren tree is for me? It's just staying up too late. Come on, nothing good's going on. Nothing purposeful is going on. You, know, you just sit up and eat chips or watch TV. Go to bed. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'm not that spiritual, but that, that's my word from God today. Go to bed. You know what? I, I, I've been doing it, though. I've been do, I said, you know what, God, I'm going to do that. And here's what I found out. When you make a commitment to get up early, the going to bed part works itself out. Like, I don't like going to bed early, but after about four days of getting up early, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to bed. You want to watch a movie? No. I don't want to watch a movie. I'm tired go to bed but you know what god's been blessing me in the mornings He's been strengthening me adding life it would have never happened unless i cursed the barren tree and you've got one in your life too something that, maybe it's not evil it's not bad there's no fruit in it god's calling you to fruitfulness let's stand today father god we just thank you for your word thank you god that you are calling us to prayer you're calling us to believe 
again. Not just to believe in God, to believe God. You're calling us, God, to, to trust in you like never before. God, may prayer be the pattern of our lives. Short whispered prayers in the workplace, conversations with you, crossing the parking lot. Lord, may it not be something that we do in the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, when we sit down at the table. But may we just commune with you all throughout our day. God, I pray that you would build faith in us through your word. As we're faithful to read your word every day. God, let faith be strengthened like never before. We can trust in you for the impossible things. The greater things that you said we would do. Because you went to the Father. God, help us to be committed. And God, I pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you would make it clear to us what those barren trees are in our lives. We need to just, we need to curse those things. They may not be evil in and of themselves, but they're limiting our fruitfulness. God, give us the, the courage to make a disciplined decision and to take a hard step in the direction that you're leading us for this year. God, let your word and your will be established in our hearts and lives. In Christ's name.